When we are worshiping, that is an invitation, an opportunity. Uh, as we are just worshiping God and praising Jesus Christ to enter into his presence. And, and now uh, we're, we're entering into an opportunity to listen to his voice. And so Sunday mornings are just this invitation of God, I believe, to enter into his presence because in his presence there is wisdom in his presence. There's hope in his presence. There is joy in his presence. There's life. So my prayer is that you don't just sing songs or just endure sermons. My prayer is that you are entering into the presence of God and just worshiping him. And my prayer is that in these next moments that you'll lean into this time and just listen for the voice of God to speak into your soul. We are continuing in a sermon series that we're just calling Comfort to Compassion. And you're going to love the subject today. You're going to be so grateful that you came. Let me prove it. I'm going to tell you what the subject is. You ready? We're moving from comfort to compassion for those who are lost. Aren't you grateful to God you came? Okay, all right, that's what I was afraid you were going to be thinking, right? No, I don't want to hear a sermon on being compassionate towards the loss. I don't, that, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't, don't want to talk to somebody who doesn't know Jesus about Jesus. I don't know what to say. I'm shy and I'm not, I just, Gary, oh no, why did I come today? So, so here's the thing, here's the thing, all right? I, I'm, just, I'm just asking you to, to just... Just hold out the possibility that the Spirit of God wants to engage with you and just move the needle a little bit this morning. Wherever you are on the spectrum uh, from, from comfortable uh, to compassionate, uh, just wherever you are on the spectrum, uh, just ask God to move the needle a little bit. And let me just go ahead and just get rid of the guilt trip. I'm going to say this on behalf of all of us. If I'm wrong in your case, please don't let us know because then we just want to come and lay hands on you and, uh, I don't know, cast out that indifference or something. I don't know. But, but just hang with me here. I'm going to make this statement, and I believe this. There's not a single one of us in the room who are just comfortable uh, with people going to heaven. We're not comfortable with that. I heard the story of, of a, a Catholic priest by the name of Gerald Johnson who, who died, had a heart attack, and they were able to revive him. And when he came back, he told the story of, of actually having gone to hell. According to him, this is his story, not mine. He said, I actually went to hell. And in hell, here's what I saw. Uh, people were crawling around like dogs. And, and, and demons were singing Rihanna songs. <laughs> not, not to entertain, mind you, but to, to really antagonize and, and really, you know, punish. And, and they were also singing, apparently, according to Gerald Johnson, uh, Bobby McFerrin's song, Don't Worry, Be Happy, right? 
And here's, here's Gerald Johnson's uh, summation. He said, based on what I saw, I wouldn't wish hell on my worst enemy. Well, considering the Bible indicates that hell is gonna be a lot worse than just crawling around on all fours, and it's gonna be a lot worse than listening to a bunch of demons sing, don't worry, be happy. Can we all agree in here this morning, I mean, just let's get rid of the guilt, that, that, that we would not wish hell on even our worst enemies. If you agree with that, just say amen. Amen. So when I say pray that God will just move the needle, I'm not implying that you or I are comfortable with anyone going to hell. But I am suggesting this. I am suggesting that we tend to find ways to cope. Uh, we tend to find ways to help us sleep at night, even though we know the Bible has said broad is the way that leads to destruction. And we know there's a great deal. The majority of the people that we rub shoulders with who are separated from Jesus and are gonna live in eternity separated from Jesus Christ in a place called hell. And, and we, 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 we're not comfortable with it, but we do find ways to cope. And, and maybe we cope by just telling ourselves, well, that's their choice. Or, or, or we say, I, I don't want to judge anyone's religion. Uh, some even begin to reason, well, who's to say my religion is right and their religion is wrong? Some may even begin to reason, well, maybe all roads really do lead to heaven. Uh, we, we find ways to cope. And I'm saying no judgment here, but I'm just asking you this. As we dive into this text, Remember, in worship, we're entering into the presence of God and we're just, we're just praising him. And now during the sermon time, we're saying, now God, in your presence, would you speak to me? And I'm just asking you right now, would you just pray this prayer, just whisper this prayer, God, wherever I am on the spectrum between comfortable and, and compassionate towards those who are lost, would you just, no matter where I am on the spectrum, God, in my life, would you just move the needle some this morning? Would you pray that? Just pray it right now, God. Will you move the needle in my heart and soul this morning? Now, can we all agree on something else this morning? Jesus is not comfortable with anyone going to hell. Uh, scripture tells us the Lord's not wishing that any should perish, but all should reach repentance. Uh, Jesus tells us, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. In conversation after conversation, encounter after encounter, Jesus invited people out of their lostness into savedness. He invited them out of their separation into intimacy with the living God. He invited people in encounter after encounter uh, to become a citizen of the kingdom kingdom of heaven, a child of God through faith in Jesus. Uh, and there's one encounter that did just really, in my mind, the more I studied it, the more it began to stand out. It's just this vivid, beautiful display of Jesus' compassion towards those who are lost. You find the encounter in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, starting with verse 17. And I'm gonna ask you to do something. I'm gonna ask you to stand. It's a long passage, so I'm not gonna ask you to read out loud with me, but would you stand with me? And by standing, I'm inviting you to make this declaration. By standing, you are saying, God, I'm honoring you, and I'm honoring your word, and I am declaring that your word is my authority for faith and practice. Father, your word is my authority for what I believe and for what I do. It is my authority. 
I stand under the authority of the word, not over authority. You're making that declaration, I pray. Let me read. You honor God by listening and standing. As he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these things I've kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you like one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And they were exceedingly astonished. And said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it's impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now and this time Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last first. Thank you for honoring God and his word. Go ahead and grab a seat. Here's, here's the thing I want you to catch. Please lean in on this. You don't have to wonder so much where you are on the spectrum, comfortable with people lost and going to hell, compassionate towards the lost, ready to do something. You don't have to wonder, just do a, a quick spiritual analysis on your soul. And here's what I believe Jesus teaches us in this text. Here's what compassion believes. Compassion believes that making time for the lost, plus risking conversations with those who are lost creates space for God to work miracles in the hearts of those who are lost. Compassion really believes time plus conversations creates space for miracles. Let's break that down. First of all, uh, compassion makes time for those who are seeking after God. Compassion makes time. You go, well, well, am I comfortable or compassionate? Just ask yourself, are you making time for those who are seeking after God? No judgment if you're not. I'm just saying, man, pray that God will move the needle this morning if you're not making time for those who are seeking. 
Where do I get that? Right out of the text. As he was setting out on his journey. So Jesus has been preaching to a crowd and now he's setting out on his journey. And by the way, when it tells you he's setting, it doesn't mean he's going to the corner to the 7-Eleven to grab a Diet Coke. He's not even trying to make it to Capernaum to Peter's house for a backyard barbecue and a, and a birthday party. If you read in chapter 11, you have your Bible open, look in Mark chapter 11, and it tells you where Jesus is headed on his journey, and it is Jerusalem. He's going to make his triumphal entry, and you know what happens then. He is arrested. He is crucified uh, there on the cross, paying for the sins of humanity. He is buried in a tomb, and he rises again on the third day, conquering sin, death, Satan, and hell. And here's what I want you to catch. This man runs up to Jesus at the last minute, Jesus is preaching to the crowd. Now he's setting out on a journey to Jerusalem and the guy runs up at the last minute. And what does Jesus do? What does compassion do? Jesus makes time for this seeker. Compassion makes time for seekers. Am I comfortable or compassionate? Just ask yourself. In your heart, do you prioritize making time for those who are seeking after God? Compassion doesn't see seekers as interruption. As a matter of fact, think about it. You and I have to-do lists, and if you're anything like me, and I suspect you are, you see the to-do list and you see anything uh, that, that keeps you from your to-do list and accomplishing your to-do list as the interruption, but compassion begins to flip the script and compassion begins to see our to-do list as the interruption to our real calling. And that is, it's a calling to make time for those who are far from God but are seeking after him. Now, I've been trying not to give any guilt trips this morning, but are you ready for the one guilt trip that I do want to lay on your shoulders? This is totally guilt trip alley, okay? You ready? All right, you ready for it? So close your ears if you don't want to hear it. Here's the guilt trip. Is there anything on your to-do list that is more important than accomplishing, uh, providing salvation for all of humanity? Yes or no? Please say no. Come on, are you with me? Now, now, I know that hair appointment is really important. Soccer practice, huge. I mean, you're gonna become a pro and make a million. I mean, getting in that workout, you gotta stay fit and trim. Those are all very important. But can we all just agree that our to-do list is not more important than Jesus' to-do list? And Jesus, starting out on the journey, stops and makes time for a seeker. And that teaches us something, that if Jesus made time for seekers... How can we do less? And by the way, same point. Compassion makes time for seekers. Not all seekers are sincere in seeking. You know that, right? Notice how it says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, let me just tell you this. If you read in the text just prior Jesus is preaching to the crowd and Jesus just preached what we must do to inherit eternal life. He said the kingdom of God belongs to those who receive the kingdom like a child. And so there's so much wrapped up in that. The idea is you're not just praying this little prayer, forgiveness only. Jesus come into my heart, now we're good. Yay, I'm gonna go live my life and you live yours and I'll see you when I die. No, 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 no. He said, no, 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 this is a kingdom thing. The kingdom of heaven, he says. And so the idea 
is. The kingdom of heaven, the rule, the reign of God is crashing into earth. And Jesus is very clearly the king of the kingdom, not this rich man, not you, not me. And he says, we've got to receive his rule just like a child receives a parent's rule. Think about that. A five-year-old, did you know, I heard this the other day. I don't know if it's true. I don't think it was true of my kids. But parents, you wanna, you wanna feel good about yourself? Up until about the age of five years old, your kids think that you are actually the smartest person on the planet. Amen? They think that you're the strongest person, the wisest person. I mean, because they don't have any other input. Now they hit school and they start to decide, maybe you're not the smartest person on the planet, right? Students, y'all all still think your mom and dad are the smartest on the planet, amen? No, <laughs> I gave you an opportunity, come on. So listen to me, here's, here's what you gotta get, guys. Jesus is talking to this guy and here's a guy who is saying to Jesus, what must I do? Jesus just told him what you gotta do. Repent and fully surrender your life to Jesus and follow Jesus and obey Jesus. And the guy is going, that ain't happening. I want heaven and Jesus, I'm even looking for heaven through you. Not Muhammad, not some new age thing. Jesus, I want heaven and, and I wanna find heaven through you. But here's the thing, Jesus, I'm not gonna surrender to anyone. I'm rich, I've got servants, people serve me. I'm not gonna serve anyone, including you. So Jesus, do you have a plan B? Do you have a back door into heaven? Jesus, I'm rich, I've got dough. I'll buy my way into heaven if that will work. Just tell me if there's a back door. Now, on the good side, this guy is a seeker. On the negative side, he's a skeptic. But let's not, let's not overlook the fact that every human on this planet is a seeker. You go, Gary, that's a bold statement. No, 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 it's a true statement. Do you realize that God made us for himself? That means he made us for a capacity for a relationship with him throughout all eternity. That means there is a God-sized vacuum in every single human being. And that's why people who don't even know Jesus will say stuff like, I'm spiritual, I'm just not religious. Well, of course you're spiritual because God created you a spiritual being and you know that there is this vacuum, this hole in your soul that can't be filled by anything but Jesus. That's what Augustine said. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. So the reality is all are seekers. Not all seek all the time, but all are seekers. And here's the great news. You want God to move the needle this morning from comfort to compassion, wherever you are on the spectrum, uh, to move the needle, it may, not be, it may not require anything more than just saying, God, will you make me more aware of who is actively seeking you? And then God, will you just move the needle towards compassion enough that I'm willing to do what Jesus did? I'm willing to make time for those who are seeking. See, compassion. 
You'll know when, you're, when, when the needle is moving because compassion really does begin to believe. Wait a minute. Time plus conversations create space for God to work miracles in the hearts of those who are far from him. Let's break that down some more. First, compassion makes time for seekers. Second, compassion risks conversations. Did you notice in the text how it says, and Jesus said to him. Now, Jesus risked a conversation, even though we've already covered, and I'm not gonna cover it again. Here's a guy who's pretty well a skeptic. Here's a guy who's already heard the message of the gospel, and he's rejected it already. And, and here's a guy who's saying, I want plan B or nothing at all. But Jesus, he's not offended. He doesn't go and pout. Oh, you don't believe me. I'm God. You should believe me. No, no, no. He just risks a conversation. He risks telling the guy what the guy doesn't want to hear. Please hear that. I'm going to say it again. Jesus risks telling this guy what this guy does not want to hear. So he tells the guy, you know the commandments, don't murder, don't commit adultery, and on and on and on. Now, Jesus is not saying you're saved by keeping the law. We know the Bible says it's clear no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. Can we be saved apart from Jesus just by being good? Yes or no? That's why the Bible says, no, 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 no. The scripture says through faith that a righteous person has life. So what's Jesus telling this guy? You know, the commandments do this and this and this because Jesus is trying to reveal to this guy, you're not good enough to get to heaven on your own apart from faith in Jesus. You can't manufacture enough righteousness to qualify for the kingdom of God. And so Jesus is making it clear that this guy is in a desperate place and he's gonna have to face his sin and confess his sin. But still, isn't it interesting? The guy hears that and he goes, check, 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 check. I've done it all, Jesus. I deserve to go to heaven because I'm a really, really good person. You know that's what most people who are separated from God honestly believe? And I honestly believe most people believe that because we're really good, really good at heart judging others harshly. And we figure they deserve hell, but we grade ourselves on a curve because we know the inside story. And everything we do is totally justifiable. And so we deserve heaven. Let, let me just spell it out. We grade others harshly, right? They are so rude. You ever said that about anybody? They're so impatient. My wife says that about me all the time. Isn't it easy how we judge others unfairly? <laughs> Kim's rocking babies this morning, so I can say anything I want to say. My daughter is over here, so, you know, come on now, don't wrap me out, okay? So, so here we go. But, 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 but others are rude and impatient. But we say of ourselves, I'm not rude, I just tell the truth. And we say, I'm not impatient, I'm just in a hurry. And so we figure we deserve heaven. So what's Jesus do? Jesus points to the guy's besetting sin. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor. What's he saying to this guy? He's saying, you don't get it, but you love your possessions more than you love honoring God with your possessions. You love your stuff more than you love salvation. But what I want you to catch is this. And Jesus looking at him, what is the next word? Is it on the screen? 
loved him. What drove Jesus to make the time for this guy and to risk a conversation telling this guy what he didn't want to hear and probably wouldn't receive as the truth? Love. Jesus loved this guy. See, compassion understands that even though more will hold on to the life that they can claw out of the world rather than embracing new life in Jesus, even though compassion understands that, compassion shares the good news of the gospel anyway. Compassion drives us to tell those whom we love the bad news of their lostness and the good news of Jesus' salvation. So one more point. Compassion. Gary, how do I know if I'm comfortable or if I'm compassionate towards those who are lost? Well, just do a diagnostic on your soul. Compassion really believes that time plus conversations creates space for God to work miracles in the hearts of those who are lost. Compassion makes time. Compassion risks conversation. Compassion expects miracles. Listen to what Jesus says. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus saying? He's telling his disciples after this guy has rejected the gospel. He's telling his disciples, you guys need to understand something. This guy had very low odds of ever receiving the message that I made the time to share with him. And this guy was a low odds. This guy was the least likely guy in the entire crowd to come to faith in Jesus. And yet Jesus, in spite of the fact that the odds were stacked against this guy, ever surrendering his life fully to Jesus, Jesus made time to talk to him anyway. Why? Because Jesus told us, with man, it's impossible, but not with God. Jesus said, I made time because I know that God is not defined by the odds or limited by the odds. My God beats the odds. My God is still a miracle working God and my God still works miracles in the hearts of those who are See, compassion believes that revival can break out at a chapel service at Asbury University in Kentucky, and that same compassion believes that revival could break out on a Sunday morning at 11 o'clock at the Heights Church. See, compassion believes that, that revival could break out tomorrow morning. I preach at DBU at their chapel service and I'm already praying, God, would you let revival break out not just in Kentucky, but in Dallas at a chapel service. See, compassion believes that the least likely are the most likely to get saved when God shows up, Amen. See, compassion believes the gospel is powerful and mighty and compassion believes that God's grace, when truly understood, is irresistible. Compassion refuses to cower in the corner and remain silent because compassion believes with the apostle Paul, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. Compassion believes. Time plus 
conversations creates the space for God to work miracles. Even in the person who is least likely to respond to the claims of Jesus. I'm reminded of a a story that I heard about a Hungarian doctor. He practiced in 1864, as a few decades ago. His name was Ignaz Simmelweis. Ignaz Simmelweis noticed at this hospital where he practiced medicine that there was an incredibly high mortality rate, especially among the moms who came to the hospital to give birth. As a matter of fact, those moms were dying at a rate of about one out of every five, 18%. He noticed at the very same time, though, that that at the very same doctor, there this hospital, there were midwives who were also delivering babies, and their survival rate was incredibly better than the doctors who were delivering the babies. And so he's looking at it, he's trying to figure it out. And and so you gotta know a little bit of background. This is before the world believed in such a silly thing called germs, that there's something on your hand uh, that could cause an infection and even disease and yes, even death. Oh, Louis Pasteur hadn't come along yet. He had not proven this germ theory yet. And so uh, Ignaz Semmelweis, is looking at the number of moms who are dying and as they're delivered with a doctor and how many fewer as they were delivered by a midwife. And he began to, he began to just postulate, maybe, maybe it's microbes, little bits of human flesh. See, the doctors in that day, since there's no such thing as germs, they didn't wash their hands in between... Uh, caring for a patient. As a matter of fact, the doctors were the ones who were also doing autopsies and there were so many mamas who were dying, they would do the autopsies in the morning and then they would immediately, without washing their hand, go and deliver a baby. And he began to theorize there must be something called microbes, little tiny pieces of human flesh. And and so he started running an experiment and he had all of the doctors in the hospital start washing their hands with water mixed with a little bit of chlorine and he saw staggering results. The death rate among the moms delivering babies dropped from 18% down to 2.2%. So amazing was his research. He was invited to speak in Germany at a medical conference and he stood up and he presented all of his evidence and he implored the doctors, please, I can't explain it, but there's, there's microbes or something and, and doctors, for the sake of the mamas, for the sake of the babies, for the sake of the rest of your patients, because the mortality rate was great in the rest of the hospital as well. He said, for their sake, doctors, just wash your hands in between patients. I heard that story and I thought of this. Compassion is willing to stand up 
and say to a world, they can't see how sin is going to separate them from God. After all, I'm a good person and I deserve to go to heaven. But compassion stands up and says, for your sake, just wash your sin in the blood of Jesus. You say, but they may not listen. Oh, they didn't listen to Dr. Simmelweis either. I'm telling you, on the stage that day in Germany, they literally laughed. They literally mocked him. I had a doctor come up to me after the early service, and he said, Gary, you didn't tell the part about the doctor. He literally went insane because he saw people dying needlessly, and he was mocked. He was run out of the medical profession. He even died penniless because he stood before the doctors, and he said... Just wash your hands. And here's the reality. You and I will say to people, just wash your sin in the blood of Jesus and they will laugh and they will mock and yet compassion makes time and risks conversation. Why? Because we believe that our God is a miracle working God and time and conversations create space for God to work miracles in the lives of those who are far from Jesus. So what am I inviting you to do? Number one, if you've never done so, I'm inviting you to wash your sin in the blood of Jesus. And the way you do that is by recognizing that the kingdom of heaven is crashing into this earth and Jesus is gonna come back and he is gonna establish his kingdom, his reign, his rule over a new earth and a new heaven. And I'm telling you, he is the king of the kingdom. He died on a cross to pay your sin debt and he, bar he was buried, he rose again, conquering sin, death, Satan, and hell for you. And he tells you, if you will wash your sin in his blood, if you will come to him and repent of your sin, if you'll place your faith and your trust in him, if you will commit yourself to follow him as Lord, do you realize whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved? He will wash your sin and he'll give you his righteousness and you can live with him forever and ever and ever in his kingdom. So what I'm inviting you to do, I'm inviting you to wash your sin in the blood of Jesus. There's a next step room. And when I finish in just a moment and pray, I'm inviting you to just go to that next step room if you want some help on washing your sin in the blood of Jesus. But, but what am I asking the rest of you to do that have done that? I'm just asking you to pray this morning. God, this week, would you just move the needle? Wherever I am on the spectrum, God, would you just move the needle a little bit from comfort to compassion? Would you just ask God to give you one name, one name? Maybe it's the least likely person that you know to be saved. Maybe that's the name that he brings to mind. But I'm asking you to just ask God for one name. And would you just begin to pray for that person by name every day? I have a name written down in my desk. And trust me, it is the least likely person I know to get saved. I'm telling you, seriously, go to my desk after the service. I'll show you his name if you want to see it. And that's who I'm praying for. And I'm asking God. God, would you just move the needle on my compassion for this person to the point that I'm willing to make the time and risk a conversation so that it creates space, God, for you to work a miracle in his life? What am I asking you to do? Pray for one person by name. 
And then I'm asking you to pray that God would so move the needle, that God would so work that you would risk a conversation and in your own words say to this person, for your sake, wash your hands, wash your sin, wash your soul in the blood of Jesus. I'm gonna pray, we're gonna be dismissed. Listen, the Next Step Room, if you need to know more about Jesus, you wanna know more about church membership, being baptized next Sunday, you want somebody to pray for you today, or you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, whatever it is, right there at the Next Step Room, come. We'd love to meet with you and help you take your next step with Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for demonstrating compassion towards a lost rich man who is the least likely person in the crowd to be saved. Lord, today my prayer is that you would move the needle in our own souls from comfort to compassion. My prayer is that we would create time and that we would risk conversation. And Father, my prayer is that you, what you're doing in Kentucky, you do in Texas. My prayer, Lord Jesus, is that you will show up and you will work miracles and that you will bring an awakening to our land, to our community, to our church, our neighborhoods, our offices. My prayer is that you will save those who are lost. My prayer is that you will bring salvation and new life. Lord Jesus, we want to see an awakening. Will you please bring it to our land? We pray in Jesus' holy name, amen. Hey, God bless you. I pray you have a great week.